0: Welcome back to the Just for Your Bad Self podcast, where you are enough, just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist who is on a mission to normalize the human experience in all of its messy imperfection. Join me as I explore what it means to feel worthy of love, to live wholeheartedly and to lead an authentic life. Today, I'll be talking with Cami Hurst, founder of the company Two Wild Wallflowers, which is a company dedicated to empowering women through the language of flowers. We'll be talking about Cami's story and how she transformed her own life experience into a company that helps women who are going through the same struggles that she has gone through in the past. Cammy, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Let's just jump right in and have you tell us about who
1: you are, what you stand for, what you do, all that good stuff. Okay, well, my name is Cammy Hurst, and I am the founder of Two Wild Wallflowers. And I specialize in hosting workshops to empower women using the language of flowers. And so I currently do two different types. I do flower crown workshops to empower our inner beauty and femininity. And then I also do wreath workshops to help women that have lost children, infants, pregnancy, and want something to remember that loss in combination with the rest of their families. So you can build a, a wreath that represents every member. So yeah, that's what I do in my name and <laughs> all
0: that fun That's stuff. such an interesting, creative way to empower women how did you how did you come up with this how did you get to this point what's your story that made you passionate about it and why flowers
1: my story starts many years ago i think a lot of us can relate to finding ourselves in relationships with people that don't have our best interest at heart and i was dating this boy and it became a very controlling manipulative Emotionally abusive relationship, but I didn't recognize it as that at the time. And in my twenty-year-old brain, this man—you know, I mean, boy I should probably say not even man because he was also twenty—but he was the love of my life, and he could never do any wrong to me. And in him controlling what I ate or who I hung out with became, oh, this is normal. This is what my life will be like when we get married. And It took me a really long time to realize that being in that relationship slowly took away everything I was as an individual, because I was being formed into this ideal version of a woman that this guy wanted. And I was in a position where I either was going to marry him or I was going to, to, you know, break up with him and rebuild my life. And that's kind of where I came to. We broke up. And I was I felt like nothing because I didn't remember who I was. I was a shell of the person I was. I had lost all of my friends because he was telling me who I could hang out with. I had lost all of my sense of self because all of my hobbies and all of my dreams were kind of pushed into a box and said, "Don't open that because it doesn't fit into this box that I want." And at at that time. I was lucky enough to have been at, working at a flower shop. I'd been there for about six months and I started going back to school. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was, I was really good at English. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just take some English classes cause I can get A's. <laughs> okay, <laughs> But I was taking a Victorian literature class and one of the topics we were studying was the language of flowers. And I really enjoyed that because I was working at a flower shop. So I was around flowers all of the time. And the language of flowers was something that people created to send messages back and forth to each other. A lot of times they were forbidden lovers because you didn't marry for love. You married for status. And so they would send flowers back and forth and they would mean things like, I adore you. Like I, I am trying to think of some of my favorite ones. I will always be loyal to you. Things like that. Or one of my favorite flowers is the lily and it represents return to happiness. So that would be, they would send it to each other and they would say, when we're, it would represent when we're together, I will, I'll be returned to a state of happiness. And so I was learning all these things about these flowers. And a lot of the flowers, I felt like were communicating things about people that I loved in my life. I was like, oh, I love that. So-and-so is is so cheerful. So I'm going to send her some daisies. And I love that. So and so is always expressing gratitude, and so I'm gonna send her a hydrangea arrangement. But I couldn't see it in myself, but I could Mm -hmm. see it on all these other people. And so I'm not exactly sure how it started, but I learned how to make flower crowns and I made a flower crown using flowers for one of my friends to picture the things that I loved about her. And then I started making flower crowns for myself and kind of impersonating it felt like because I was kind of rebuilding all of these attributes in myself felt kind of like I was impersonating the the attribute of the flower when I would wear it and so I would embody that and I would feel and I felt beautiful for the first time in probably 15 years like since I could cognitively think about what beauty was flower crowns became how I saw beauty in myself again and so I went on a mission to kind of share that with people and to educate them on the language of flowers because it's not something we are a lot of people are familiar with. And in 2020, I decided to take the leap and start doing workshops and do groups of women and have conversations about beauty and and why it's so easy to see it in other people but it's so hard to see in ourselves. And so. I took that leap of faith and then COVID kind of, (laughs) you know, squished all hope of me meeting with with women in large groups. And so I kind of went into survival mode. And then I had two miscarriages in six months. And that kind of knocked me on my, on my butt as a, as a 27 year old who had spent all of my life believing that my happiness would come when I became a mom and not being able to be a mom was was really devastating and it was really hard too because I have a blended family and not being able to have a, a representation of what my family looked like with those angels was really hard and so I turned to flowers again and so I started creating wreaths using birth flowers as well as the language of flowers to represent my whole family and and the different angels that we've lost and having a, a representation that I can come home and look look at every day that's that's my story.
0: <laughs> wow, that's such a powerful story. as you were talking, you said a couple of things. first you you said you, you talk about how easy it is as women to see value in other people but a lot of times it's hard to see it in ourselves. And the other thing you said was that as a woman, you build this whole dream life around, around your family and what that's going to look like. And so when there's certain pieces that aren't there, it, it's not just devastating because you, you've lost this future with someone that you, you love. It's, it's devastating because it's, it's a huge part of your identity. And, and as you were talking, I kept thinking about this, This Rachel Hollis interview that I watched. Rachel Hollis is the author of Girl, Wash Your Face and a couple of other books. And I was watching a little clip of an interview she did where she says, women are taught that to be a good woman, you have to be good for other people. You Mm -hmm. have to be a good wife a good daughter, a good mother, a good sister, a good friend, and how much value we get from these roles we play. And and we never do feel like we achieve that good enough status, right? Because there's so much comparison. There's always someone doing it better than us. How has your journey, what you've been learning as you've been working with these women, helped you see the value? You can take this question whatever way you want, really, but I'm just wondering if you've discovered anything along these lines, like what value do we have as women beyond what we do for other people, beyond the roles we play for other people?
1: That's a great question. And I it's think- It's a big it, question. <laughs> it's a very big question. But I, and I, I'm i surrounded by very powerful women all of the time. And one thing that I have seen is as they allow space for themselves to show up as their authentic self, so similar to, to your mission, then then that's when they are creating their actual ideal life that's when the dream life that they didn't even that subconsciously they wanted but they didn't even realize that they wanted because they kind of hid it behind this when I'm a wife when I'm a mother when I'm a daughter instead of showing up as that woman and being able to show up as what they actually want, even subconsciously, I feel like that's when things really start to change and to grow. And you see, I see it in myself, like when I finally decided that entrepreneurship and creating a space for women to talk about these topics that are kind of pushed under the rug and hushed up, in myself I finally saw, okay, when I this is the life that I want to be creating. And being a wife and being a stepmom and being a daughter and being a a daughter in law, those are all bonuses. And Mm -hmm. so that that's the icing on the top of me creating a fulfilling life. And it's not where my fulfillment comes from. My my passions have always been geared towards towards women. I love being around women and helping women. And when I was able to step into that purpose that fueled that passion, that's when I really started to identify with myself. And I think that was the hardest thing for me to learn because like I said, it was so easy for me to see all these other women living their authentic life. And me wanting that, but not understanding how. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but it kind of, it's been something that's been on my mind a lot lately is that those titles of of wife and mother are bonuses. And they bring a lot of fulfillment. But if we're not being fulfilled in other areas, we're not showing up as our best self in those roles as well. I
0: no, I think that's a beautiful answer to that question. This idea of of the role the roles we fulfill are our our bonuses, but who we really are is separate from those roles. It's our passions, it's what we love to do, it's what lights us up. And I, I think as women, we feel a lot of guilt if those roles aren't the main thing that light us up, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If we find any kind of joy outside of something in the home, if we're not natural homemakers, I don't know. I've never been a natural homemaker. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. me neither. No way. (laughs) And finding out, and I'm lucky enough to be with somebody who, that he recognizes that I bring so much more to the table than keeping a house and i don't know what i would have done if i had had married that that first boy and that i thought i was madly in love with and i know he would have expected me to be a housewife and that would have been devastating
0: yeah yeah and i think even just the pressure having having a relationship that's actually putting that pressure on you plus the societal pressure that we already receive is suffocating. I think I'm also married. My husband, I feel like gives me a pretty good amount of space to do what I want to do. And he, I know he wants me to be happy, but my upbringing the, the religion I was raised in, the, the culture I'm in, the country I'm in, so much of that, I put pressure on myself and almost put words in his mouth like, oh, mm-hmm. Elliot's not going to be happy with me because I didn't have <laughs> dinner made. And sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll apologize to him for that. And he'll be like, I you're putting words in my mouth. Like, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't feel like we're worthy of of those people that we love because we're not filling the role of wife or the role mm-hmm. of mother the way that we think we should for whatever
1: reason exactly yeah I I do that all of the time right now there are two piles of laundry in my kitchen that need to be folded they've been there for days and for some reason in my head I'm like I'm less than because I haven't got to this chore and what have I actually done this week like I've kicked butt and accomplished all kinds of other goals and I did this thing that I was you know, really scared to do, but took a leap of faith and came on your podcast. And those are way more valuable and a better use of my time than doing laundry.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think the the place that both you and I have found ourselves in of supporting other women and trying to empower other women and, and other people in general is so important because we aren't taught or we may not have been raised to believe that this this kind of work that we love to do has value. I was raised, you know, the and I have a passionate mother. I need to say that because she listens to my podcast. <laughs> but So I need to say I have a passionate mother who, who is incredibly intelligent and does lots of things. But I also watched her beat herself up for not being the good enough mother, the good enough wife, the good enough housekeeper. And so by proxy, I, I also learned that. And so I think it is so important right now, especially as women, that we, that we value each other's work, Mm -hmm. that we value and that we stop apologizing. Oh, my house isn't clean. Oh, my kid's hair isn't done to each other. Because when we apologize for that kind of thing for ourselves, what we're doing is devaluing the other per devaluing the other person if their laundry's not done, if yeah. they're you know whatever, and we need to start giving each other props like look at all you did in this area and not just judge each other on the housekeeping, the mothering
1: mm-hmm. all of that jazz oh yeah, absolutely well to kind of go back, something I've been thinking about this recently is because i I try really hard to be a a place where women feel like they can come and be and find love for themselves where they're at Um, and in the other day I was being really hard on myself really being really hard on my body honestly because my body after two miscarriages has changed a lot since I first met Dylan and I was talking about how you know I was I was voicing the thoughts in my head I had about my body as a this isn't hurting anybody except me kind of an attitude. And I was thinking about it later. Actually, that's hurting more than just me because I am allowing space for that negative thought to have value. And I'm also devaluing the people that love me for for my body as it is now. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also showing the people around me that it's okay to talk about themselves that way And it's also okay to talk about me that way, which is absolutely untrue. And so talking and internalizing and feeling these things as women, the way we talk about ourselves gives people the authority, maybe not the authority, but it gives them the permission to talk Mm -hmm. about themselves that way. And then also ourselves that way. And so when we find a space to be able to say, "I, I didn't do my laundry or I I didn't have a shower today or whatever it is that we feel like is making us less than. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> but if we, I guess if we can stop that pattern and and recognize that these thoughts aren't just hurting ourselves, that they're hurting. I can think of so many times where I was around my mom or my aunts and I heard them talking about their bodies in a specific way. And that became the language I talked to myself about my body, and so we as women, I think, owe that to ourselves to create the change in the narrative the way we talk about ourselves absolutely
0: as you were as you were talking about your experience in that area, I remember there have been a few times when women it's like we have these like self depreciating parties, right? We get together, and all of it is like. Oh, my, you know, I'm so sorry, my car is a mess. And then the other person's like, Oh, you should see mine or, Mm -hmm. or in high school, especially, I remember it was all about bodies, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I remember, (laughs) I remember someone sitting and just like, they were, they were a thin girl. (laughs) But I remember them like pinching their stomach skin between their fingers and being like, Oh, I need to lose weight. And I remember thinking, I am not as thin as you. Mm-hmm. Does that mean I need to lose weight? Or I remember people being like, "Oh, I can't believe I weigh over a hundred pounds." And yeah. In high, and I weighed, I, I matured quite quickly, and I weighed quite a bit more than a hundred pounds in high school. And I remember thinking, "Oh no, I I have like I have to lose like forty pounds." <laughs> and we were different heights and different, you know, we our bodies needed changed. different things. Yeah. yeah. But we. And the same thing goes for house cleaning or whatever. Like someone says, oh, I'm so sorry, my whatever, something that, you know, my windows aren't clean, something that isn't even on my radar in (laughs) my house. And then I go home and I'm like, oh man, I guess my, I guess I need to hire someone to clean the windows. And we just pile and we don't realize when we pile shame on ourselves,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we're doing that to everybody else too. We're like making the burden harder for all of us exactly and and the opposite of that is true as well right that's why I feel so strongly about learning to love myself in a pretty public way even though it's freaking hard work it is hard work to learn to love yourself and accept yourself but it's like the most important work you can do because if you can do that for yourself you're also doing you're helping other people do the same thing you're making the burden lighter for all of us yeah
1: exactly Exactly. And I think that's kind of, it feels like, and maybe I'm just lucky and I'm being able to surround myself with other women that have that similar mentality, but it does feel like that's the shift that we're, we're walking into, or maybe that we're creating for whomever comes after us. You know, like if I ever have a daughter, I never want her to feel like she has to apologize for being a woman or showing up as herself or whatever it is. And I, I feel like that's kind of the shift in the air in a sense that we're all heading into is we're, we're stepping into ourselves and we're recognizing the value that we have outside of our home, outside of our bodies, outside of, we're showing, like you said, we're showing up as our authentic selves. And that is being, I, I feel like at least I feel like that's being received and Mm -hmm. And I think that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. There's that there's I've I've talked with a few different female friends of mine that we've talked about this shift. It does feel like there's something in the air that almost like almost like we're giving birth <laughs> to a new age. Like and some days it feels heavy and hard and painful, but it feels like it's it is. It's giving birth to this new be be authentic, be yourself. You yeah. don't have to fulfill the roles the way you were taught. And I think it's such a cool time as a woman to be alive.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: So with your, with your flower workshops that you do, are there any stories or experiences that you can share as you've worked with these women through different things and your flowers?
1: I think probably the one that resonates with me the most, and I think it's just where I because of where I am in my in my life but I had a workshop in January for women that have have lost children and a lot of these women came to this workshop and it had been many many years since they had had this loss but they had never found a space that was safe enough for them to talk about it or grieve it mm-hmm. because that's uncomfy for other people right and it's mm-hmm it's not something if you've experienced it, if you haven't experienced it, it's not something you will ever be able to understand. And I hope with all of my heart that it, the people that you don't have to experience it. But unfortunately, it, it it's something that many women have suffered. One in four women have miscarried or lost an infant or child. And so it was just really rewarding, I think, for me as as somebody that hadn't been able to find a safe space and wanted to create one, to have these women that had needed a place to heal for many years be able to find a space. And we were very vulnerable with each other and we talked about things that we we feel like we're not allowed to talk about with other people because we are, as women, I think we're taught to make things comfortable for people around us. And talking about loss and grief isn't wow. comfortable for people mm-hmm. who haven't been in that headspace, and so that was probably my favorite thing is just to to be able to have conversations that I feel like women long to have, and that's similar with the with the body workshops. I've had several several women come up to me after and say, "I I just have always wanted to talk about this, and I've never felt like I'm." allowed to and so that's that's my favorite thing is is giving women a place where they feel like they can be heard and they can process this 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 huge thing that it is to be a woman and to go through all of these different trials as a woman and to talk about it candidly with other women that are being open and vulnerable about it as well and I did a self-love retreat a couple of weeks ago. And just to just just to listen to these these women talk about their journeys through their personal self-love and create a crown that represented what they loved about themselves and like and see them put it on and wear it and even though maybe I have the same attributes and flowers as you, my crown's going to look completely different because of how I create it and how I put it together and what a you know maybe mine's really small and dainty and it has the same flowers as yours but yours has more greenery and it has it's big and voluminous and so I think understanding that women are I mean we are all comprised of the same things but we get to decide how we display them is probably another thing that I really love about what I get to do every day
0: so. yeah that's so powerful I man when you said what you did about as women were taught that it's our job to make other people comfortable and grief yeah. isn't comfortable that just yeah. stabbed me right in the heart that's so so yeah. accurate and so so hard that's what a burden to carry right yeah that you've got to feel all this pain and you feel like you've got to carry it all by yourself because you don't want to burden someone else with it. That's I'm so grateful that you're here where I am creating this space. It's So needed, so needed by women. I think, I think it's, let's wrap it up. Do you have any big, big takeaways that you want to leave with the listeners today? Well, I guess first, Tell us where we can find you, and then okay. give us your takeaway from
1: the episode. <laughs> well, awesome. well, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Two Wild Wallflowers, and that's two spelled out, C T W O so T W O Wild Wallflowers. And then that's also our website where you can actually order. I'm assuming by the time that you put this episode out, that will that will be live. But we're going to be launching. You can order custom wreaths through our website at twowildwallflowers.com if you can't make it to a workshop. That way you can still have have a physical representation of your family. So that's going to be launching for Mother's Day this year.
0: Fun. So cool. I love that. Okay, what's what's your takeaway for the listeners today? What's the message that you
1: want everyone to hear? Ooh. I think my takeaway for today and I feel like I jumped around a whole lot but I think just just recognizing that our worth as a woman has so much more depth than we think it does and we are the ones that get to decide our worth and nobody else so
0: absolutely
1: absolutely I'm
0: going to do a little call back to one of my very first episodes was with a trans a transgender woman named Anna, and she said, "My she said my identity is a statement I'm making. Not she said my identity isn't a question I'm asking. It's a statement I'm making. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea with worthiness as well, which is exactly what you just said. Yeah. It's something we get to decide. It's a statement we get to make. We don't have to get it. It's not a question we're asking other people to answer for us. We get to say I am worthy, and show up in the world as a worthy human." yes exactly thanks for joining me today if you want to get more nurturing around living an authentic life you can follow me on instagram at just be your bad self or join the just be your bad self community on facebook i love hearing from my listeners so go find me on your favorite social media platform and drop me a note Remember, you are enough right now in this moment. That's it from me. Now, just be your bad self.